This week on the show is Amazon's week fourth quarter projection. Good news for resellers. We've got updates from Etsy, Amazon, eBay, and Bonanza, in addition to a pretty interesting flip of the week. What is up, Galaxians? Welcome to another episode of the Galaxy CDs, Rocks, and Flips Reseller Talk podcast special. Welcome to all of the new subscribers over the last couple of weeks. I appreciate you joining up. Uh, If this is your first time here, my name is Ryan, and I am a full-time reseller, part-time YouTuber, and podcaster, bringing you all of the reselling news pretty much every week, in addition to some what's sold and that kind of stuff. Um, Special shout-out to everyone who participated in a pretty interesting conversation around last week's episode where I talked about whether or not bad, bad may have been a strong word, (laughs) Uh, whether some resellers who don't take it as seriously as others might be affecting all resellers' business. There was Uh, When that episode first went live, I had several subscribers who unfortunately just chose to leave the channel. You folks obviously are not hearing this episode, but you missed out on some really good conversations around that issue. Uh, A lot of those took place over on Instagram. So if you're not following me over there, um, at Galaxy CDs Rocks, uh, really interesting thoughts from both sides, both perspectives, those who thought that I was probably maybe a little out of line with my expectations of sellers, particularly from those who were either casual part-time sellers or for people who might just be getting rid of stuff from their home and are not actually professional sellers. And from those who thought that by and large, there are a lot of resellers who don't take customer service that seriously. So again, feel free to comment, join the conversation over on Instagram again. Shameless plug at Galaxy CDs Rocks. You can find some posts about that and and participate in that conversation. But it was really, in the end, it was a great conversation. And I appreciate everybody on both sides who contributed. It did kind of open my eyes maybe to some things with, uh, particularly with casual and part-time sellers and how the expectation of fast turnaround times on shipments and that sort of thing may not necessarily be something that someone in that position would be able to do. So again, I I very much appreciate uh, everybody participating in that. And with all that out of the way, let's get into some reselling news. News updates. So we're going to start kind of with the topic of uh, the title in today's show, Amazon. This article is on Business Insider. Amazon just flashed the holiday warning retailers were hoping to avoid. They had their third quarter earnings call, but the big news out of that earnings call was that they're projecting a less than spectacular fourth quarter. Amazon sees a two to eight percent growth in sales for the fourth quarter of this year, which is way below the previous two years. Amazon sales are slowing globally, particularly in Europe, which makes sense amid the war in Ukraine. And of course it crushed Amazon's uh, share price fell 12.7% to $96.84 in after-hours trading after that earnings call took place. Amazon has projected the company's slowest fourth-quarter growth ever. That is the key takeaway, I think, from this. They are projecting growth 
but not the double-digit growth that they have experienced in years past. It's a fairly modest look at what they expect for fourth quarter. Now, I don't know if it's maybe the case that they expect, maybe they took a little bit of steam out of the market with the prime sale that they did in October, but technically that falls in Q4. So this is kind of interesting. In their third quarter earnings report, the world's largest online retailer said it expects sales for a holiday quarter to come in at 140 to $148 billion. This was well below the expected 155.2, according to analysts polled by Reuters. This forecast marks a 2 to 8% growth over the same quarter in 2021, but that is way below, as they say, a 9% and 38% on-year growth seen in those same quarters in 2021 and in 2020, respectively. Amazon's glum forecast joins the rank of gloomy outlooks from big tech giants like Alphabet, who is Google, and Meta, who is Facebook, why these companies <laughs> uh, change their names midstream, whatever. Um, to weather the headwinds, Brian Olskovsky, Amazon's chief financial officer, said on the reporter's call that Amazon would be taking actions to tighten our belt, including pausing hiring in certain businesses and winding down products and services. I think one of the first things that took place the day after this call, uh, they let go about half of the staff at their AMP division. So uh, very quickly making cuts. And again, not to account for losses, but to account for less than stellar growth, which is interesting. We're all seeing signs all around that, again, people's budgets are tight. Inflation is still high. Energy costs are an additional layer on top of that caused by other issues. We are preparing for what could be a slower growth period like most companies. They note sales are slowing in North America and internationally, and again, particularly in Europe, where the Ukraine war has driven up energy prices and inflation. According to the transcript, uh, they mean that means they say that uh, consumers and organizations of all sizes are reevaluating their expenditures. Sales growth have already started slowing in the third quarter, and the trend is likely to persist throughout fourth quarter, which of course spans the holiday season. So, Amazon preparing for less than stellar growth. What does that mean? For us, potentially as resellers. Now, if you're a big seller on Amazon, it could present a potential problem for you. If you're an FBA third-party seller and Amazon's overall growth is down, that could mean that your growth is down. But the contrary opinion, which is posted over on e-commerce bytes, and as always, I will link to all of this in the show notes in the video description below. They talk again in this article about Amazon's Q3 results were more about the uncertain fourth quarter. Net sales for the third quarter, for those of you keeping score at home, were actually up 15%. So that's all good. Uh, throughout the quarter, worldwide stores business continued to stay highly focused on our customers and driving inputs that matter most, which helped accelerate our growth in the quarter. Amazon says we offer our widest selection ever. We've taken actions, driven strong recovery of in-stock rates. So they've tried to add to inventory. Although if you're an FBA seller, like we talked about last week, they're restricting you in some cases, from sending things in. Third-party sellers and the products they offer remain an important strength of our offering for consumers representing 58% of total paid units in Q3, the highest percentage ever. So they are continuing to become more and more reliant on people like us who are third-party sellers on that platform. So that is, it should allow, you would think, sellers to start 
negotiating or dealing with Amazon, maybe from a little bit of a position of strength. We've not really seen that yet, uh, but 58% of their total paid business is from third-party sellers. So they summarize in this article two reactions to what happened, what was announced. The shares plummeted. Amazon returns to growth, but signals slowness ahead. As consumers look to save, this article poses the position it could benefit online sellers depending on what you are selling and your sourcing methods and profit margins. One topic left out of the discussion was COVID as we enter the winter months, which has impacted consumer behavior in the past. So that's another wild card in the thing. Nobody seems to have a good grip on what COVID and what most people seem to be projecting to be a really bad flu season, how that might impact sales. But as people are trying to stretch their holiday budgets against rising inflation, rising utility costs, and so on. Resellers, people selling used but like new kind of stuff or specialty items that are a little more difficult difficult to find, might find that their fourth quarter business is better than in years past because people will be looking to save some money. If you're watching on YouTube, let me know in the comments what you think of that take. Do you think Amazon being down potentially, or at least not being up as much as in years past, will have an adverse effect on your business and on our business as resellers? Or do you think it actually spells an opportunity for traditional resellers to have a better than expected fourth quarter? Continuing on with Amazon, can Amazon do used goods better then eBay, eBay CEO Jimmy Iannone told the Financial Times eBay was seeding the new and in-season market to Amazon to return to its roots in collectible and used goods. This is something they've been talking about for some time. This isn't that part of this is not really news, including used luxury brands. But just a day earlier, news broke that Amazon was getting into used luxury goods with a partnership with a reseller. What goes around comes around. The deal allows Amazon to start stock goods from many of the luxury brands that eschew selling new products on Amazon directly. eBay's CEO had told the Financial Times that sellers of new and in-season goods are more likely to sell on Amazon or Walmart than on eBay, and they were pinning their hopes on a return to used items and collectibles with a focus on high-end reselling. eBay, as we have talked about on multiple occasions, they focus their attentions on categories including things like luxury watches, handbags, sneakers, through its vertical strategy, a.k.a. Uh, focus categories requiring authentication for certain sales in those categories. It's not that Amazon is likely to offer all of the kind of used goods that eBay does, but it looks like it could skim, potentially, some of the cream off the top of those focus categories for eBay. Now... Not only must eBay deal with the prospect of having to compete with Amazon head-to-head in those categories, but the Financial Times raised another concern. Some high-end brands are looking to offer their own resale stores. We've talked about kind of traditional, particularly in fashion, fashion retailers starting their own kind of reselling outlet type stores. Now, some of these higher-end parties are uh, apparently looking to do the same thing. They ask the question, will Amazon take share in luxury goods from eBay and other specialty sites that cater to buyers of luxury goods, and what will it mean for eBay? So again, if you're watching on YouTube, 
leave me a comment. Let me know what you think about that if you're listening to the pod. As always, you can DM me on Instagram at GalaxyCDsRocks, or you can email me at GalaxyCDs at gmail.com. And let me know what you think of Amazon's entry into the luxury high goods area. I I don't sell in that category, so I don't. it's unlikely to have much impact on me. But if you staked your business on that sort of thing and you see someone like Amazon getting involved in it, uh, that potentially raises some eyebrows. Speaking of raised eyebrows, <laughs> uh, Amazon sellers delete posts in a frenzy over safety concerns. Amazon sellers are in a frenzy to delete past posts on the discussion boards there after learning that Amazon will display their business names when migrating them to a new, quote, reimagined seller forum. They fear that people who disagree with their posts will be able to retaliate against them online and in real life. Unless Amazon reverts back to keeping their business names private on their forum posts, many said they expected participation on the seller discussion boards to plummet. There are some comments here about what people had to say about that. It seems Amazon is determined to reduce the number of knowledgeable posters in the forums. What better way than to publish their business name? We've had almost no luck getting answers from seller support on the infrequent occasions we've opened cases. While the forums have been a gold mine of useful information, this is disheartening to say the least. Another said this is about the worst of the worst ideas Amazon has had. My opinion, 90% of the forum top 100 contributors will opt out or never be seen Again, uh, another one, I want my account, my posts, and my likes deleted. No trace. Some very specific former users, forum users, be crazy. They've doxed on social media and will dox again. This is a safety issue. So, I don't, again, I'm not an Amazon seller, so I'm not active on their boards. But if you are, uh, please share with us your thoughts on having your business name shared on the Amazon seller forums. Amazon, for their part, said starting in October, Amazon began rolling out the new seller forms, making it easier for you to connect with other sellers, find answers to your business questions, and engage with Amazon community managers. The new forms simplify navigation, highlight trustworthy information, and provide you the opportunity to personalize your experience. Crafted, they say, from seller feedback, these new features can help you learn more about growing your business. We will migrate all U.S. sellers to the new forms by the end of this year so there you go uh changes everything changes (laughs) all the time and not always for the better i'm not i I don't know how i feel about that one again i'm not over there so it doesn't really affect me but obviously some sellers are having a major issue with that a little better news over on amazon they are now accepting paypal's venmo to pay for orders starting on october 25th Amazon will begin offering PayPal's Venmo service as a new payment option for shoppers in the U.S. A spokesperson for PayPal told e-commerce bites that it will become available to all Amazon shoppers in the United States by Black Friday. I don't know. I'm I, Maybe I'm old school. I don't actually use Venmo, but if you do, this is another, again, for Amazon, it's another opportunity to capture additional business by taking yet another payment method. So I guess good on them. Uh, uh, PayPal CEO Dan Schulman posted that he thinks it's a very significant moment in our Venmo monetization journey and marks the beginning of an exciting relationship with Amazon. So uh, good on Amazon for continuing to expand the methods of payment that they can accept over there. 
Here's an interesting one. Uh, we don't talk a whole lot about Bonanza because it represents such a tiny slice of the market. Um, I, as I've talked about, I sell there and I, you know, three, four sales a month. It's not big money, but it's money I wouldn't have otherwise. So I still continue to use Bonanza. But they have jumped on the holiday promotional bandwagon like Etsy and I believe Poshmark have done. Online marketplace Bonanza has invited sellers to discount products in time for its annual holiday sales. Sellers interested in participating must create a coupon for their booth using the redemption code HOLIDAYS2022. Each seller can set their own discount for the code. However, sellers should be sure to know that coupons will stack, which could lead to a costly mistake. If you have any other coupons that are active, you may want to remove them for now so buyers don't use more than one. So that's an interesting tip. If you're a seller over on Bonanza, they stack coupons. So you could use you know, a 10% off thank you and a 10% holiday, and all of a sudden you're, you're in the soup on this thing. So the sale is scheduled to run from November 9th through November 16th. Uh, which allows plenty of time for you to get items shipped and have them out in time for Christmas. Bonanza says they are going to promote this sale on social media and through email marketing, and it invited sellers to help spread the word, of course, by doing the same, suggesting a bunch of hashtags. You can read more if you're a seller on the Bonanza blog. If you're not a seller on Bonanza, I do have an affiliate link in the show notes and the video description down below. It's super easy to do. If you're on eBay, it automatically imports and syncs your listings, and it essentially works out to free money. So feel free to take a look at that. Etsy is going to continue to try to help sellers. They have a week-long, I believe. It's about a week-long Etsy Etsyo, I guess it's called search tips and listing critiques starting on October 31st. Hi everyone, mark your calendars for something exciting. Uh, Etsyo will Etsyo week here in the Etsy community. What does that mean? We'll be sharing tons of search engine optimization tips and insights across our community and social channels. We'll cover both Etsy and Google SEO, which is helpful to help you prep your listings. On Monday, October 31st, the forums will have a thread where you can submit your listings for a live critique. We'll be open for 24 hours, so be sure to share you want the listings critiqued by 9 a.m. on Tuesday, November 1st at 6 p.m. They'll select three listings from a thread and do a live show on the Etsy success at Etsy success on Instagram. They will do listing critiques the following couple of days. Uh, they will have a virtual event on Thursday, November 3rd at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time, improving the SEO of your listing pages. You can RSVP on the site. And on Friday, November 4th, they will have another uh, virtual event on improving your listing photos. So, again, props to Etsy for trying to help sellers understand SEO and how to get their listings promoted, not only on Etsy itself, but on Google, where a lot of shopping is now, in fact, taking place. Uh, with all that technology, Etsy is going to get a new chief technology officer in January. Their current one, Mike Fisher, is due to step down at the end of the year to spend more time with his family and pursue other interests. The company announced on Thursday, replacing Fisher will be Rakana Kumar, currently their vice president of engineering, who launched the regional office down in Mexico City, growing the team to nearly 130 employees. An Etsy spokesman credited Kumar with scaling buyer growth in the announcement. Uh, Kumar was quoted, when I joined in 2014, there were fewer than 20 million active buyers in the Etsy marketplace. Today, there are over 88 million. 
Supporting that growth has required us to expand our teams, scale our systems, and leverage cutting-edge machine learning to improve the user experience. I'm excited to continue on this journey as we use technology to create economic empowerment opportunities for our sellers and nurture our vibrant global community. So congratulations, and we'll see how that works out for Etsy buyers and sellers as we move forward. Some Etsy sellers are not having a real good time of it uh, due to the uh, outside promoted listings thing that we've talked about in the past, where Etsy, if it's an off-site ad, charges a 15% commission for a sale generated from that ad up to 30 days from when that ad was clicked. There is a seller that says, as far as I'm concerned, that's stolen wages. This Etsy seller slams the site for charging fees that completely diminish his profits. Uh, He says his account is nothing but an Etsy hate account now. He says he sells stickers and the offsite ad fee completely wiped out his profit. He showed that he made no money from an $11.89 sticker he sold in a now viral TikTok. Um, In the video... He shows the revenue breakdown from a recent Etsy order, revealing that he made no money due to those service fees, taxes, and the 15% fee. Uh, He shows that Etsy charged him a relisting fee, which they do uh, if an item after the four months has come and gone. They charge you, again, the the 20 cents, which is not like a whole bunch of money. Uh, But in this case, the seller ultimately ended up not able to make any money. So I'm, again... I've, I've got items that I own for a penny and I'm not manufacturing anything. So my cost of goods sold are way different than someone like this who is actually making a product. Uh, but as we've talked about previously, you can't, once you've reached $10,000 in sales, you can't even opt out of that program. You're required to be part of it. I think they need to fix that. I think they really need to give sellers an opportunity to choose whether or not they want to participate in an extra advertising program like that. Anyway, his sticker was $11.89 minus all of these fees. He made uh, $7.56, and that was exactly what his production and shipping costs were. He made zero profit off the sale. So if you're a, a maker of goods on Etsy, you're, obviously your cost structure is a little bit different than those of us who are reselling like old vintage books and whatnot, so this can be a problem. And again, like I said, I really, for my part, feel like Etsy ought to allow you to opt out of that program if it doesn't fit your business model. Here's an interesting article, if it will pop up uh, here on the YouTube. Um, do I think the article is, do online sales trigger multiple state income tax filings? This was This is actually not something I've really ever considered. Online sellers of a certain size may end up owing income tax in more than one state. Tax guru and small business expert Barbara Weltman, the founder of Big Ideas for Small Business, delved into the issue to see what merchants need to know about this complicated issue. Now, this is income tax. This is not sales tax, which in a lot of cases is already collected and remitted by these firms. This is actual income tax on your earnings. By now, most remote sellers are familiar with those sales tax rules that may require collecting, remitting, and reporting sales tax on transactions that take place in states beyond their borders. These sales tax rules all have a small seller exemption, and although they vary by location, they're, they're pretty universal. 
But does this remote selling mean you may also owe state income taxes where those transactions occur as opposed to the state in which you live in? It's problematic, she says, and here's what you should do. Your nexus for sales tax, the nexus is a legal term that means connection, which is what's required for a jurisdiction to tax you. If you're physically within New Jersey, for instance, and you do all your business there, then California can't arbitrarily impose its sales tax on you. But if you sell remotely to customers in California, this is a sufficient connection to subject you to California sales taxes, at least. The trend in law has been moving away from a physical presence to an economic presence, which may be established by online activities. The issue arose in connection with sales tax when the U.S. Supreme Court set a South Dakota law requiring remote sellers to register and collect sales tax there if, during the year, there were more than $100,000 in sales or more than 200 separate transactions in the state, was, in fact, constitutional. There was sufficient nexus, they felt, via online sales to allow a state to collect sales tax. And now that has kind of become the norm. The big platforms to kind of protect themselves from this issue have essentially just started collecting the sales tax on our behalf in almost every state currently so that you're not kind of caught having to deal with this. Your nexus, however, for state income tax might be a little different. In 1959, a federal law called the Internet, or I'm sorry, Interstate, the Internet wasn't around in 1959, Ryan. Uh, The Interstate Income Tax Act limited the reach a state could have over a remote seller. That, however, as they said, was before the Internet. Subsequent to the Supreme Court's decision on sales tax, the Multi-State Tax Commission revised its statement of information with respect to state income tax to equate internet transactions with a physical presence. Does this automatically mean that every business that conducts online selling is subject to state income tax where the customer is located? Probably not is the upshot of this article where there is potentially a nexus. You do need to look further. There's one note at the extent of activities. According to MTC, a business shouldn't be subject to state income tax outside its physical location. So again, if you live in New Jersey and you sell in California, unless your business meets one of the following thresholds in that other state, $50,000 in property, $50,000 in payroll, $500,000 in sales or 5% of total property, total payroll or total sales. So if you're doing half a million dollars in business in a particular state, you are likely to be responsible for paying income tax on those transactions in that state. Again, I'm not a tax expert. I'm not here to give you tax advice. That's what this article says. I would hazard a guess that most of us are not doing anywhere near that level of business, maybe overall, let alone in any one individual state, but this is something to at least be aware of that I hadn't really given much thought previously. So again, I will link to this article. You can delve into it at your depth as you desire. And of course, it's something that you would want to discuss with your tax accountant. Last thing, uh, eBay, speaking of podcasts, has announced a new one, the Seller Spotlight Podcast. Every eBay seller has a story and every story is a unique journey each month. Host Georgia Mampanis explores the challenges faced, the obstacles overcome, and the insights hard won by some of their top sellers. 
the eBay Seller Spotlight podcast uncovers what motivates, inspires, and keeps these entrepreneurs on the path to fulfilling their dreams. They have two episodes out already. Pretty much anywhere you would want to go to listen to podcasts. It's a fairly short, sweet little ditty. It's like 13 to 15 minutes, so they're pretty concise, unlike the eBay for Business podcast, which is typically closer to an hour. I listened to the first two episodes. They're pretty interesting, so if that's something that you're interested in checking out, uh, it is the eBay Seller Spotlight podcast. They intend to release new episodes on the third Wednesday of every month. So this will only be a once a month podcast. That is going to wrap it for the reselling news. So let's do a little bit of what sold. This is a little bit bigger than last week's, but not a ton. It was actually much, much better week. Thank Thank whoever <laughs> you believe in and that sort of thing. Uh, business really picked up. I know Resale Dojo had posted on his Instagram that he was trying to connect that to a couple of outstanding returns or cases that he had. His business picked up. I didn't really have anything like that going on. And I don't know if it was Tuesday or Wednesday, my business just leapt off the charts. I did almost as much business in an overnight period from like six o'clock in the evening until I got up at six in the morning as I had done almost the entire previous weekend. And that trend continued uh, through the recording of this episode. Business has been really good the last week or so. So here's just a few of the highlights. This item sold on eBay, the collected works of Theophile Gaucher, the giant international series. These were published in 1928. I picked these up as part of a big lot. I've owned them for about 50 cents a piece. I've probably got, man, when I, I probably had 15 or 20 different of these collections. They're essentially large volumes of most of a particular writer's work. I had these listed for $29.99 or best offer. It's in my 30% off sale. So this went for $20.99 plus uh, media mail shipping. The book is almost three pounds. It's a massive book. Um, Again, in pretty good condition. These are interesting ones to pick up if you can get them cheaply enough. They aren't all worth this $20 to $30 price range, but a good majority of them were. This was a wild one. This is a CD out of that uh, 8,000 CD lot, so I own it for less than four cents. Four Poofs and a Piano, More Hairdresser Than Barbershop. This was a CD from 2008. I had never heard of this group, but there were not very many of these out there, and it looked like they were commanding reasonably big money. I had mine listed for $39.99 or best offer. It is also in my 30% off sale. So it was currently $27.99. It got a watcher. I sent a 15% off offer out because I own this thing for less than four cents. So why not just try to get rid of it? It sold for $23.79 and free shipping. I don't know how common this one is. I don't know how likely you are to find it if you're out, but if you find anything from this group, four puffs and a piano, it's definitely worth at least looking up. A cool old book from 1966, A Beaver's Story by Emil, I guess it's Lears. This was a first edition, but a sixth printing, so not an actual first printing. It was an illustrated book, hardcover with its dust jacket. If you're watching on YouTube, this is another of those examples that I talk about seemingly every week about a book with a really rough looking dust jacket that still commanded pretty decent money. This dust jacket has a lot of wear. Uh, the corners are ripped. There's tears all over it. This is another one I had listed for $34.99 or best offer. 
in my 30% off offer this month. It went for $24.49 plus media mail shipping. This was from the big 15 odd thousand book lot. So I own it for less than a nickel. Uh, again, old math and science textbooks for the win. Uh, ar- arithmetic theory of quadratic forms. This was from uh, the Keras Mathematical Monographs. These were published in the 1960s, if I'm not mistaken. This was part of a big estate buy that I did at what appeared to be the home of a former college professor. I owned these books for about a dollar a piece. This sold over on Etsy for $32.99 plus customer paid shipping. So again, if you're out and about and inclined to look at books, if they have old science and math textbooks, it's probably worth taking a couple of minutes to look some of them up. Uh, they can be pretty decent. Another sale over on Etsy, The Messenger, The Life of the Prophet Muhammad from 1946. This was a first edition hardcover, did not have its dust jacket or probably would have commanded quite a bit more money. Nonetheless, this sold uh, internationally to a buyer up in Canada on Etsy for $38.99 plus customer paid shipping. And again, it's an item out of the big lot that I own for less than a nickel. This is a bit of an interesting one. And again, like I said a few minutes ago, I'm not a tax advisor. I'm not here to give you tax advice. But this one it was treated a little bit differently than my normal sales. So this sold on Mercari. It's a Shure SM58 XLR microphone with a boom arm and a shock mount. It is essentially the equipment that I was using to record this podcast. When I bought those items originally, I expensed that as a business expense. So this technically is not in my cost of goods sold. It's not actually an item that I purchased with the idea in mind that I was going to sell it. So although I sold all of this stuff for $70, for accounting purposes, I did not record this as a sale. This is going to get recorded as a reduction in my expense for this type of equipment that I keep on my books. Again, if you do this sort of thing, you would want to talk to your tax advisor about how you treat these things. But this was an interesting sale. It paid for, after fees, a little more than half of the upgrade that I made a couple of weeks ago in this new microphone, which was the topic of last week's episode. So see how it all comes together. (laughs) Uh, This was really, it was a nice little flip. I was able to get out of it and recoup some money towards the new one. The the buyer ha- was on Mercari. They had a ton of questions. I sent them information about my podcast so they could go and listen to some of this to get an idea what the mic sounded like and so on. And this, uh, again, I'm a, well, let's not get too carried away. I'm a quote unquote professional reseller. <laughs> uh, this is what I do for a living. And so the customer service aspect of it is very important to me. And I answered all of these questions in a very timely fashion. The customer asked If they paid for their purchase, this was on Tuesday evening, how soon would it ship? And I said, if you have paid for this by 9 a.m. on Wednesday morning, it will ship Wednesday morning. They paid for it almost immediately. I already had it packed up and ready to go. I dropped it off at UPS on Wednesday morning, as I promised, and they actually received it on Thursday afternoon from UPS. So from the time of the first question on Tuesday morning to the time of delivery to the customer was less than two days. Again, not to beat a dead horse, that to me should have been a good customer experience and the customer left feedback in accordance with that. Great communication, fast shipping item exactly as described was a from my end and from the buyer's end, 
about as close to a perfect transaction as you could get. And now, your flip of the week. This is also something out of that big lot, so it's another four and a half cent book. Really unusual piece. I was shocked at what these were bringing. Is a book from 1961 called Saberjet Ace by Charles Combs, part of the American Adventure series, illustrated hardcover from the 1960s that was a kind of juvenile fiction based on fighter pilots during the Korean War. If you see this book out in your travels, grab it. Uh, I think the lowest price I've seen one of these sell for is close to $100. Again, I own it for about four and a half cents. This thing sold on auction. I started it, I think, at $49.99. It got 10 bids and sold for $112.50, plus customer-paid shipping. So really nice flips if you're out and you see this old book, Saber Jet Ace by Charles Combs. Uh, definitely pick it up. That was a pretty terrific flip. It's not, you know, five or $800 <laughs> uh, on a book, which would be even more terrific, but $112.50 from an initial investment of less than a nickel. That's pretty strong. I will take that. So that is going to put a bow on this week's episode. If you got something out of it, if you found this useful, interesting, helpful maybe entertaining. Do me a favor if you're watching on YouTube, smack that thumbs up button. If you're not currently a follower of the podcast on your podcast platform of choice or a subscriber on YouTube, please consider doing that as well. Would be more than happy to have you along for these regular, pretty much weekly episodes where we go over the reselling news and some stuff that I sold here at the Galaxy. So once again, please feel free to share your comments on anything we discussed in this week's episode. Uh, Hopefully you are continuing to gear up for what Amazon thinks is going to be a kind of subpar fourth quarter, but what could be for resellers, a pretty strong one. So with that said, it's time to sell. Thanks guys. You have been listening to the Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will catch you again next time.